here. We're so excited that you come to worship and hopefully grow a little bit closer to God with us this morning. But before we continue that, you guys are going to have to wait through some announcements. I know that's really, really exciting. Uh, just wait, okay? So that being said, here are a few of the uh, announcements coming up right here. Uh, Wednesday night groups. Uh, we will not have any more Wednesday night groups until January 11th. So if you show up on Wednesday nights, 
It'll just be Doc here eating all the leftover Halloween candy. Uh, so if you want to show up and help him, you can do that, but uh, there will be no classes then. Uh, our Christmas services, we're going to have two uh, exact Christmas services. One is going to be on Christmas Eve at 5.30 p.m. Uh, then we're going to have an identical one the next morning at 10.30 a.m. on Christmas Day. You can choose one. We know a lot of traditions happen around that time, so you can choose one. Or if you want to be really holy, you can come to both. That's what the good Christians do. So that's up to you guys, whatever you want to do there. Now, some of our mantra here at Capital City Christian Church is worship, connect, grow, and what? Serve. So outside in the lobby, we've got our giving wall. It's another way for us to serve people in our area and the needs of those around us. Uh, you can clip off one of the little pieces of paper. It's going to tell you what somebody needs. Sometimes it's just a detergent. Sometimes it's deodorant. Sometimes it's something super, super simple. So it's not this big long-term investment a lot of times. So go out there, grab something, clip it off, and go to Walmart or wherever and, and pick up whatever is needed. Okay? So... Um, Emmanuel, right? God with us. Uh, now, we have uh, context when it comes to that word, right? We know who that's talking about, but that wasn't always the case, right? Uh, back, back in the day, generations, they waited for a Messiah to come, and they had these preconceived notions about what that would look like. They thought this guy would show up with a sword and, and would avenge them and, and, and the oppression from the Romans, right? But they had to wait, and wait, and wait. And I got to thinking about today, like, what, what does that waiting look like? And I think there's nothing closer than my four-year-old and, and six-year-old waiting on cookies to be made. Okay? Watch this. Adeline, mom's not home. You guys want to make cookies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he even know how to make cookies? I thought mommy was the chef one. It's not that hard. Hmm. What's this for? Uh, we don't need these. I'm not real sure how that thing works. Just. And how do they look done? Sure, you don't have to do what you're doing. Are you sure you know what to do? Nope. You wanna watch with me? Yeah. Now we wait. Daddy's got some stuff to do. Are you guys gonna watch? Oh yeah. Okay. Guys, what's going on? Are our cookies done? 
There's so much of that that was unscripted. You guys have no idea. So uh, my, my kids, they, they hate waiting. Uh, and, and so do we. And, and, and so do the, the Jews back before Jesus came. They, they got so tired of waiting. But again, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay? We, we have context of, of who that is. Galatians 4 says it was in perfect timing. It was the perfect time that, that God sent his son. It's not our time. It's, it's not based off of our clock, our watch. It's not based off of our expectations. It's the perfect time. So let's stand together and let's worship for that perfect time.
God in heaven, we believe that Jesus Christ has come to this earth and has given us everything we need to survive, everything that we need to be able to make it through this life and then into eternity. Father, we waited for Jesus Christ to come into our lives. We waited for, for his presence to change us. Father, we expect you to move in this place right now. We expect you to, as we listen to your word, to be changed. Because, Father, we are surrendering ourselves to you, just like we did in the first time with Jesus. Thank you so much for sending him to this earth. And you came at the right time. You came at the perfect time. Father, we want to live in such a way that the world is able to see a light within us. Live in such a way that they're able to see that we give you glory with everything that we, everything that we are, everything that we say. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Can you guys smell the Christmas cookies? Can you smell it? It's like it's here, right? Here's something really cool. We actually have cookies for you. You gotta wait till it's over. Like they're waiting for you. They're out there, but you can't have them until this is the service is over. They're here. We're excited to give them to you. Waiting is the hardest part, isn't it? We saw it with, with Logan and his kid in the video earlier that, that, you know, making the cookies is one thing, especially those break-offs. That's pretty nice, right? But the, the waiting is that hardest part when you're sitting there staring and looking. And here's what I think about kids, okay? I think kids dislike the word wait more than they dislike the word no. Right? As a parent, like with the little kids, when you tell them no, they know what no means. They know there's some finality. They may push back. They may try to challenge it. They may try to, like, get, the, get what they want. But if you're a good parent, if you're consistent, and they understand that no means no, they, they learn. That word just means stop talking about it, right? It's over. You're not getting it. But wait is weird, isn't it? It's ambiguous. When you tell a child wait, what does that mean? Does it mean three seconds? Does it mean three minutes? Does it mean three weeks? And those time frames mean nothing to a child anyway, right? This word wait is hard for them to understand. And I think adults aren't much better. We struggle with wait. When I have to wait on something, I feel it. I have a physical pain when I have to wait for something. My joints start to ache, right? I get pressure like in my stomach. I start to get a headache right at the front of my head, right? Like it starts just getting there. I hate having to wait. In fact, I start getting this energy inside of me that just has to find its way out somehow, right? Like it's just building and building and it, and it, it just, this tension all within my body. Am I the only one who's like this, right? We hate waiting. I found this really cool quote from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who wrote a lot about the Advent season, waiting for Jesus' uh, arrival. And there's this really cool thing that he says here. He says, not everyone can wait. Neither the sated or the satisfied. If you're satisfied, you can't wait. Those without respect can wait, meaning they'll just go and get what they want. The only ones who can wait are those who carry restlessness around with them. Isn't this a beautiful word to describe what it is to wait? A restlessness within you? Like it just kind of builds and it begins to kind of like even haunt you, right? Everyone I know tries to find the loophole for waiting. Everyone I know. It's why you don't go to Wendy's, but you go to Chick-fil-A, right? Right? I'm wearing, this is my new Christmas sweater. This is Whataburger. How many of you are familiar with Whataburger, right? If you don't like waiting, this isn't the place to go, right? It's good. It's worth it, but you've got to wait, right? It takes some time. 
It's the self-checkout lines. Now, some of you, I've seen the memes you're posting, right, wondering when the Walmart staff Christmas party is going to be because you've been working the self-checkout, right? We make fun of that. But you know what? If you remember years ago, years ago, you stared at the top of that person's head as they were scanning everything and bagging it, and you were thinking to yourself, I can do that faster. (laughs) You remember? I don't hate the self-checkout line at all. I love it because I'm way faster than those people, all right? I save all sorts of time. I hate waiting. And the Christmas season is full of waiting. Everything about Christmas is waiting, right? We have the cookies that we've already talked about, the, the pain and the torment of having to wait for those cookies to get out. Maybe you're waiting for family to arrive. Maybe you're waiting until, until you can get off work so that you can go and join family At some point, you'll probably be waiting for family to leave, right? (laughs) We've got the presents under the tree, which are a marvelous type of torture for children. We, We take these things that are theirs, and we wrap it with something that's really pretty and attractive to the eyes, and we put it where they can see it, and then we say, you can't have it, right? Like, it's absolutely torment for these children, and it's awful on them, but we have to wait for the presents. And then we get into the debates about when do you open them. Is it Christmas Eve or is it Christmas morning? And if it is Christmas Eve, how early on Christmas Eve? And then there's some of you who don't open the presents until after dinner has been eaten and cleaned up on Christmas Day, and you're the special kind of psychopaths, all right? (laughs) And then there's the classic just waiting on Santa, right? The, the, the idea of the kid laying on the couch, trying to stay awake, waiting to see Santa, but he never shows up until we fall asleep because we can't just wait long enough, right? Like we just couldn't make it. Waiting is hard. Some people I know try to claim that the best things in life are worth waiting for. And that might be true. I mean, there's some things that are really great, like maybe your engagement, maybe it's the pregnancy. We can talk about the cookies in the oven. My favorite is the meat on the smoker, all right? I don't mind waiting for that because I want it to be right when it's time, okay? I want it to come out the right time. I love waiting for it, right? But can I be honest? Even though I can appreciate the cookies in the oven, even though I can appreciate the presents under the tree, even though I can have a sense of joy and anticipation for those things, it does not compare to putting the cookie in the mouth, right? It doesn't compare to actually ripping into the present, that there's something different. The waiting is actually the hardest part. And of all the things that we wait on, of all the things that we wait on, I believe that waiting on God has to be the hardest. When we find ourselves waiting on God, it has to be the hardest type of waiting. In the most painful seasons of my life, the seasons of waiting that I have had, they've been seasons of waiting on God. And it doesn't always really even feel like waiting. Sometimes it feels like wrestling. There's these times when my prayers with God are kind of, it's not really jabbing or or sparring. I'm not really trying to fight him, but I'm trying to like wrestle him into my will. I'm trying to convince him that my ideas and my solutions to my life are so great. And God, if I could just get you to see things from my perspective, potentially you'd agree with me and everything could be resolved. And sometimes it doesn't feel like wrestling. Sometimes it feels like a roller coaster because there's those days when I'm on the right page, when I get it mentally. There's those days when I'm connected and I understand patience and waiting and I can be joyful in that moment with God. But then the next day it seems like something happens or maybe I just don't wake up with the same type of joy or whatever it may be. And I find myself just crying out in these prayers, God, come rescue me from this valley. 
It's the ups and downs, just even sometimes moment by moment. I've found myself begging for answers. And in fact, I, many times in my life, I would have loved for God to just answer me with an audible no. I would have loved in some of those seasons of waiting for God to just respond with a simple no. Because then at least I know that it's finished, that, that, that my fate is set, that I don't have to wonder about the outcomes. I just want that closure because waiting is hard. It's harder than a yes or no answer. I think the silence of God in the midst of my pain and struggles in life have been some of the most lonesome, painful moments of my life. Because I don't believe anything is harder than waiting on God. Now, if this resonates with you at all, if you find this having some sort of impact on you at all because you're in a season of waiting, or maybe you're still healing from a season of waiting, let me show you some words that I think leap out of Scripture. There's some words that I think will just leap out and they're going to penetrate and, and hit you right in the heart with just some incredible power. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Galatians chapter 4. And, and I love to write in my Bible and I love to encourage people to write in their Bible. So if you have that, whether that's on your phone, whether that's in print text, I want you to take it out and get ready to circle, highlight, and make a big deal about these words. Okay, it's Galatians chapter 4 and it's verse 4 and it's just a simple phrase. Just a very, very simple little, it's not even like a full sentence, it's a piece of a sentence. There's other ideas going on. But just in the middle of it, it's just this very simple thing. When the right time came, God sent his son. It's an interesting, interesting little phrase, isn't it? And, and the NIV says it a little bit differently. This is the NLT, but the, NF, the NIV says that in the fullness of time. That when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. It's kind of that image of the cookies in the oven. That, they've, that they're close. I mean, we, they're a little raw. We could eat them now, right? Okay, that, that's a good plan with cookies, not so much with, you know, changing the world, right? It's the fullness of time. It had to be fully done. It had to be fully finished. It was the right time, which suggests that there were wrong times. You follow me here? This suggests that if Jesus had come at a different moment, it would have been the wrong time. And that creates all sorts of questions for me in my head. All sorts of questions start pouring out from this idea like this. What made this time right? What was it about that moment in history that made it right? And there's lots of answers to that. There's this thing called the Pax Romana. It means the peace of Rome. At the time in history when Jesus was born, there was a peace in the known world because they had all been conquered by Rome. They'd, they'd, they'd taken over the entire uh, known world at this point. They ruled over almost all of it. And so because of that, people, groups, different nations, different areas that at one point had warred with one another now got along because they had a common enemy. It was Rome. And if they were to act up, then Rome would have stepped in like the mom or the dad to just kind of put a stop to it and get everybody in order. There, there was this kind of a forced peace almost within this world because Rome had conquered it all. And within that, because they had built this empire, there was travel that connected all these places. These places that had been isolated and, and didn't get along with one another, didn't want to be together. They'd all been brought together by this one empire. And so they connected them with these travel routes. And so now, suddenly there was freedom to move and ability for ideas and messages to spread in different places, which comes into conflict with language with all these groups, except that there was this language, Greek that became this common connecting language within all these different places. All these factors came together at the right time when Jesus is born. And then you add into this, the nation of Israel was desperately looking for a Messiah. 
desperately looking. I don't know that we can put a greater emphasis on that. They were so hopeful that God was going to send them a Messiah, this expected one who was going to come and rescue them and free them. They were so desperate for his arrival that they jumped on any imposter who offered himself. And it happened a lot. Lots of examples of these random people who would raise up and claim to be this Messiah. They claimed to be this king and they would bring about this little rebellion and they'd go and try to establish themselves and create this freedom only to get squashed every single time. Here's the reality. If God wanted to do something that would be received and be for all nations, then this was the right moment in history to do it, which is really interesting, all right? So when we read that at the right time, God sends Jesus as his son, right? This was the right time in history. But I have other questions like this. Does God actually wait I mean, if there's a right time, that means that there's a wrong time, which means that if there's a wrong time, God has been waiting for that right time. It seems strange. It's kind of a weird, fascinating idea that God would have to wait, that God has plans and things that he wants to do, but he's waiting for things to work out in the best way possible. It's a fascinating idea to me that God would wait. And yet there's lots of interesting evidences of it. Isaiah chapter 11 Verse 1 and part of verse 2 says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now Isaiah was a prophet 700 years before Jesus, and he wrote all sorts of different things, and some of it was about the future, and some of it was about a Messiah. And so when he references Jesse, we're really talking about his son David, who is king, and that there's going to be one who comes after him who's like him, and the Spirit of God is going to be on him. This is a messianic prophecy talking about some, someone who's going to come along and be something significant for this nation. And this isn't the only one. Isaiah has all sorts of places where he writes these things. Other prophets as well, where they would speak about this coming Messiah. The problem is, Isaiah says this, and it's 700 years until Jesus is born. Like, why would God do that? Why would, give, why would he give a message to his people about this great thing that he's going to do and then make them wait for 700 years? There's more examples. In Luke chapter 1, within the Christmas story, we have the story of, of this couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're an older couple. They're faithful to God. Zechariah works within the temple. They have these jobs that are really kind of cool. But we're also told this. We're told that they don't have any children. And it had been a source of sadness and pain for them in their life. And in Luke 1, an angel comes and tells them, you're going to have a kid. And they do. They have a boy. They name him John, we know him as John the Baptist. Why? Why would God have them go their whole life in pain, in the waiting, to have a child, and then have it at the end of their lives so late? Why would God have them wait? What's that about? In Luke chapter 2, there's a story of a guy named Simeon. Simeon is a, a, a priest. He works within the temple as well. And he receives this prophecy from God that God is going to allow him to live. In fact, he's told, you will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. And in Luke chapter 2, we see that Jesus has been born. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated where Simeon sees them. He's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes and he takes Jesus and he pronounces these incredible prophecies over him. It's a really, really cool story. Why? Why so late in his life? I mean, there's some things that we can look at with Simeon. I mean, maybe uh, there's not a whole lot of language specific about time in the story, but maybe God gave that message to him the day before. But I don't think it's likely. 
It doesn't seem to be the way that God works. It seems more likely that Simeon had waited for some time. This language about you're not going to die until that happens makes me believe that Simeon was probably ready to die. And he was waiting for this moment to come along. Would God do that? Would God make him wait? And why does God make us wait? And maybe more importantly, can I actually appreciate the wait? Can I be grateful in the wait? Like even in the midst of waiting, in the midst of my pain and suffering, (coughs) I apologize, in the midst of my pain and suffering, can I be grateful in the wait? Can I be grateful for the wait? I mean, we hate waiting. How could we be in the midst of waiting on God to do something and say that we could be grateful for it or grateful in the midst of it? What does that look like? And is that possible? Is that something that we can experience? When I look at these stories and there's more in Scripture that we could talk about. I think there's a couple explanations that I think will change our perspective just enough. When we're in the waiting, typically all we see is our, our struggle, our suffering, the pain that we're in. We can't see much else. But I think if we shift our perspective just a little bit, we'll see it from God's angle. And I think there's a couple things that are happening in the midst of waiting. And the first one is this. I think sometimes God is testing us. And I don't know if that's very comforting to you to hear I don't know that anyone likes to be tested, but tests are great because they reveal proficiency or deficiency, right? They reveal what you're good at or what you're bad at. They help you see who you are. And if you look back in your life, if you look at the greatest seasons of waiting or pain or suffering within your life, if you look back, you'll see ways in which you grew. You'll see ways in which you were challenged. You'll see ways in which your character developed. And it's not fun. It's not something you would choose for yourself. It's not something you would ever want to do again, but it shapes us into the image of Jesus. And it seems like maybe that's what was happening with Simeon. Seems like maybe that's what was happening with him. I mean, how long would you have kept showing up to work? Imagine that God had given him this promise decades before. Would you have been tempted to quit? I mean, is it far-fetched to imagine that Simeon's wife would have had to convince him every day to go to work? Is it a crazy idea that maybe he was just ready to die and he thought that God had forgotten about this promise that he had made to him? But the story that we have says that he was faithful, that Simeon showed up. And it's more than that. It's not that he just showed up. He didn't just show up and wait, sitting on his hands for something to happen. But he showed up. He was present and he was prepared. And here's what I really like. That story in Luke chapter 2 with Simeon, that word waiting that's in there, it's a Greek word and it means wait, but it means way more than wait. It means to accept. It means to welcome. It means to expect something to happen. It means to admit or to receive. That Simeon isn't just showing up waiting for something to happen, but that he is actively participating and welcoming that moment when it shows up. That he is anticipating that God is going to do this work that has been promised to him so that when they show up, he's ready, he's prepared, the Spirit comes on him, and it's this really beautiful picture and story. There's the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. To some extent, they show us what it looks like to wait in a successful way, but not everyone waits successfully. There's a story in the Old Testament about a couple named Abram and Sarai. Later, their names are changed to Abraham and Sarah. They receive a great promise from God. God is going to give them a child in their old age, very similar to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And that God actually makes a bigger promise to them. He says that your your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. It's a fascinating promise to an old couple who've never had kids. 
And yet they receive this promise and they're excited, except that it doesn't like happen the next day. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait for so very long. Sarah reaches the point where she grows impatient with the waiting. And so she gives her servant to Abraham in order to bring about a child. I want you to hear that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sarah made a conscious decision. She preferred that her husband would sleep with another woman than for her to wait for God. And that's kind of a harsh way to put it, right? But that's what happened. And I can look at that pretty judgmentally to be like, man, that's embarrassing. I can't imagine anything like that happening. Except that, you know what, I can. I mean, have you ever sinned because you didn't want to be patient? Have you ever wanted self-gratification or instant gratification in such a way that you didn't care what the rules were anymore? I mean, it makes sense to me, actually, the more I think about it, because waiting is painful. And the more important something is, the harder it is to wait. Can we thank God for his tests? Can we be grateful in the waiting, that when we find ourselves waiting, that we would actually recognize that God is doing a good work in us, that he's trying to bring about something better in us? an opportunity for us to grow. And I think sometimes God tests us, but I don't think that's the only thing that's going on here. I think sometimes we wait because God's perfect timing. It's that Galatians 4-4 passage where we're told that at the right time, I think that there's right times when God works in our lives. And we grow tired of the waiting because we aren't willing to wait for that right time. And if we look back to these stories, we're going to see that same thing. It's Isaiah's prophecies that he had uh, all throughout his writing, and it's 700 years. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you can get past it and look at it. This is the thing about God's timing. It's tricky. You can't anticipate it. You can only see it when you're past it. When you're able to look back, you can see the work that God has done, and it starts to make sense. And so we have the stories of like Isaiah, and we have the stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they would give birth late in their life until you see Mary and Joseph. Elizabeth is somehow related to Mary. And Elizabeth's child, John, is going to prepare the way as this prophet in the wilderness for Jesus. And it doesn't make sense that they had to wait their whole lives to have this child until you recognize that now Mary shows up and she's pregnant and they need to be born together in a near proximity. (coughs) It's even Mary and Joseph to some extent. I think it's interesting that God would come in a miraculous way, help bring about a child in their life, but that she still had to wait nine months. I mean, I don't know this. I can't speak from, from the woman's experience, but I would imagine that maybe it might be worth a conversation to see if we could just fast forward to the last week. Just skip the morning sickness section. That would have been cool, right? Why would she have had to wait for nine months? And it comes back to God's timing. God was doing something in the entire world for all people, and his timing was impeccable. It was perfect, and at the right time, God sent his son. You see, when we look in the present or we try to look forward, we come up with all sorts of plans and ideas about how things should go, and it's confusing to us why things aren't different or better. But when we look backwards, we get a different perspective. And we can usually see what God was up to. And I found that God's ideas, his plans, seem to be a bit better than, I, than what I can come up with. 
And so in the midst of our waiting, how is it that we can be grateful? How is it that we can even be grateful in the waiting or for the waiting? It's when our perspective changes and we begin to think about what God may be doing, waiting on his timing, seeing the work that he's doing in us. And if you're anything like me, you can look backwards and you can see it. There have been three or four really significant seasons of waiting in my life. And when I say that, I don't mean short seasons, I mean long seasons. I'm talking about time periods that have lasted multiple years. Seasons where I have found myself wrestling with God because I recognized that something wasn't the way it was supposed to be. That, that there was some sort of a conflict or a burden within my life and I could see resolutions. I could see the ways in which it could be fixed. And I shared those ideas with God. I would tell him, God, if you would just act in this moment, if you would just do this one thing, then everything could be resolved and fixed and things could be the way that they're supposed to be, right? And I had this tension within me and it turns into this restlessness where I could just feel what needed to be resolved and things wouldn't work out the way that they would and I'd find myself, my, myself just in these seasons of, of just crying out to God, asking him to make a move. And I'd go back and forth in my ability to trust him and to not trust him. And it's actually why I live in Kentucky. My family moved here following a very long season of restlessness where we could sense that something wasn't right and something wasn't working the way it should. I'm, I'm talking years when we felt like there was something that God had planned for us, but it wasn't coming to fruition. And I had lots of solutions. I had lots of things that I offered to God. Not once did I ever mention to him the idea of moving to Kentucky. <laughs> it never crossed my mind. And yet, and yet I can sit here and I can look back and I can see how his plan was perfect, so far beyond anything that I could have come up on my own. In fact, it's beautiful. In fact, what it does is it makes me grateful for the wait because I can look back and I can see how his timing was working and how he was orchestrating in ways he needed to. And I can see how he was working on me, how he was changing my heart and working on my character and making me into who he needed me to be. And I look back and I thank him for it. And I repent of all those times when I didn't do it right. Because waiting is hard. And waiting on God is even harder. But it's an incredible opportunity to be faithful and to see something better than what any of us could ever imagine. Now here's what I want to do this morning as we close out. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. I want you to, to, to look in and I want to ask this question, what if you're the one who's waiting on God? What if he's actually the one who's waiting on you? What if, what if God is ready to move and it's his timing? It's time for you to give him your life. It's time for you to actively participate. It's time for you to choose to be a follower of him. What if it's time for that, but you've been the one who's waiting too long? You've ignored the nudges and the ways in which he's moving you. I want to challenge you to set that aside and to respond to be willing to give your life to him and to accept him. That'd be really cool. Maybe you just want to become a part of this church and be part of this family that's all working to encourage and pull each other to heaven. I think that's really cool. And maybe that's your opportunity today. Maybe, maybe this sermon hits a little too heavy and you're deep in that season of waiting and you feel it physically. And today, more than anything, all you need is someone to just pray with you and pray over you 
and we'll offer that too. You can join me up front to do that. If you want to go back over your right shoulders, there's a room back there that says prayer over the doors. We've got an elder in there praying for you right now, and they'd love to pray over you and what it is that you're going through. We don't do this alone, and that's really cool. Whatever it may be, don't ignore God. Take the opportunity. Don't wait any longer. Let's move when he moves. Why don't you stand you guys have a seat real quick. I'd like to introduce to you David and Debbie 
Fairfield. They moved here about a year ago from Illinois, and uh, they'd like to join our family and be a part of what we're doing here. I'm going to have them repeat after me, take this confession of faith. I believe believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and my personal Savior. Amen. All right, welcome them. We're glad you're here. We're going right back into worship. So does it feel like the right time for you? Does it feel like it is the right time? When Jesus uh, came to this earth, it was exactly the right time. And when he came into my life, it was exactly at the right time for me. And I'm hoping the exact same thing for you, that this is the time. If you've been looking at this and you say, man, I've I've got to do something with this. I know that the Spirit is moving me right now. Jesus wants to do something with you. He wants you to have that light within you so that you can be a light to this world. Every week when we gather together, we remember the work of Jesus Christ on a cross. Right before he was betrayed, right before he went to that cross, he established this communion service we're about to take part in. He wanted for us to remember this sacrifice. It's not just that he was a baby that came to this earth, but he lived a perfect life and died on a cross. When we do this, we remember. We remember. We have to always remember. Because it resets us each week as a family. When you go to the tables in a few moments, you'll take some bread and you'll take some juice and remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. If you call this place home and you want to give an offering, this is the time to do it as well in the the black boxes that are at each of the stations. We also do this strange thing called a generous bucket you might not have ever seen before. And this is if you've got something beyond your offering that you want to give to people in need in the community, it is there that you can do that. So go ahead and stand right now. Let's go ahead and go to the tables together.
My name's Craig, and this is my daughter, Audrey. Audrey has heard the call of God, and she has decided to give her life to the Lord this morning. Audrey, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, okay? I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. The Son of God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. Because of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. You know the old phrase, good things come to those who wait, right? We know that that's what been the truth about this world and about each of our hearts. And also there are some cookies out there. If you've waited, now you get some cookies. So we want you to be reminded of that, of course, because you've got to make sure you have them cookies. But also that next week when you come back here, if you come back here like at, well, I don't know, 9.30, you'll be waiting a while, all right? So make sure you come at 10.30. Or if you come to your later service, typically, you're going to be a little late. So make sure at 10.30, right? Everybody say that, 10.30. Try it again. 10.30. Very good. And then if you come on Christmas Eve, it's at 5.30. Everybody say that. Good. Yeah, there should be everybody be there, right, with 10 other people that you're joining with you, right? So make sure that you all come at one of those times. If you want to come to both of them, that's fine. You'll, you'll be like, I've heard this before. Anyway, I'm so grateful for the fact that God waited on me, and I'm waiting on him. I want the same thing for you because you need to be out, a light in this world out there. So make sure that that is on your heart. Okay? The waiting is good sometimes, okay? Let's pray, and I'll send you away. God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, our peace, our hope, our joy. We have tried desperately to fill this hole in our heart with too many other things. I know I have failed you over and over and over again. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for never giving up on any of these people that I get to call my family. Because I now have these brothers and sisters that I would not have had if not for my relationship with you. God, I am so grateful that when we come into this place, we get to celebrate you. We celebrate what you've done. And every time we give your glory, every time that we talk about this, every time that we sing and do these things, we give it to show you that you are worth more than anything else in our lives. So even when things aren't the way that we want them to be, Father, we will wait on you since you have waited on us. Father, we pray each of these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Go grab a couple cookies, okay? <laughs> <laughs>